SLR. Yes. Now I got to do my intro because this is a very good subject, and I want to carry on from this subject because man, I got a lot of input on this. Uh, so I'm here with uh, Stephen Cox, and he is go out and build something. But what's the what's the name? Get of out, it? fix something. Oh shoot! Oh, oh man. <laughs> my old cousin, man. Can yes. you remember it? Yeah, I'm, I think of more like a brother, a distant <laughs> brother. Um, uh, yes, I can remember it. Go out and fix something. Did you trademark that here recently? Uh, copyright. Oh, copyright. So was there a situation you could talk about that happened? Uh, yeah, I think I could talk about it. So we started about a year ago, year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. We started the, uh, I want to get in like apparel. And I asked my wife, I was like, hey, you know, she's really, she really, really enjoys trying to find that kind of stuff. And uh graphics and things like that. She likes making that stuff. So she found this one particular logo. I remember having a conversation with her asking, where'd you get the logo from? She's like, oh, just Google Images. Well, are you sure it's open free for use? She's like, oh yeah, it's free for use. It says it right on the website, free for use. Okay, cool. So you give them your email, you download the picture or whatever, and that's where they get you is they get your email address. But I have an email address I give out for crap like that, and I don't give a crap, so... Hmm. Anyway, um, she comes up with it, and I put the ring around it and everything, and we put that on our uh, apparel. Well, fast forward to about a month, month and a half ago, I get this guy who wrote me an email, and he's from India. And so you get all these scam emails from overseas and, like, Nigeria and all this crazy stuff. So I just trashed it. I didn't even think about it. So he rides back, you know, next week. He's like, hey, you know, take this serious, blah, blah, blah. So then he contacts uh, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and YouTube and my uh, Shopify account to contacts all of them and files copyright claims on all of them. Well, all of them took all my stuff down other than YouTube for some reason. So YouTube, with whatever reason, would not let him copyright just a logo in the videos as his. So I finally I do all my research and I found out that the website that I got his logo from was just some kind of like scam website that it skims uh, Google Images hyperlinks that on their side so you see the image you download that image and then they get your information that's where the deal was i see he came up with that logo like four years ago you know it was just the spartan helmet not the ring around it you know get out and fix something just the actual helmet itself oh interesting really okay so i wrote him back and he was looked at his side and they were all every one of his logos were for sale for like 200 250 dollars and he skyrocketed the price of this one up to like 800 of course it's very valuable yeah, now. Mm-hmm. So I wrote him and I was like, look, man, I'm not paying $800 for it. It's like, you know, I don't have it. Um, you keep it for that price. And he's like, well, how about 150 I was like, yeah, I'll do it for 150 bucks." So I sent him 150 bucks. He sent me the copyright. And I found out a copyright. $75, right? Huh? Is copyright $75? No. No, there's nothing for a copyright. You just send it in. Yeah, you don't even send it in. What? You create a picture right freaking now and what? add the copyright symbol to it. It's copywritten. Wow. That's what a copyright is. <laughs> Everybody gets trademark and copyright confused. A copyright is just, you can literally draw a picture right now and do the little circle C and you own that copyright. Interesting. All you have to do is prove when you made it versus when somebody used it. So you essentially paid $150 for just him knowing it internationally. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, it's like the... For my research, he was the first one to made the center of my logo, so mm-hmm. I bought it from him. And yeah, he got $150 every. Yeah. And where was he from India? India. So that's yeah. pennies on the dollars. I was like, oh man, that's a thousand dollars you just gave him. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm crazy. Sure was, I think he was happy with it. You know, I, it could have ended up a lot worse. That's uh-huh. what I was fortunate with. Yeah. 
kind of thought that, um, I mean, the guy really, he could have kept going. YouTube probably would have taken my channel down because of it, because that's what YouTube does. They just need yeah. direct reaction on stuff and just yeah. side with whomever. I can't believe that. Yeah. And uh, he could have held it hostage for thousands. I mean, you had a similar situation it, with your, uh, my your website. Yeah. I, I missed a payment, and it went up for sale, and GoDaddy tried to sell me, and uh, and um, I, I thought it was just a regular commercial call or whatever. And sure enough, it went up to sale, and they're like, we don't have it anymore. I'm like, yeah. what? So I got the .TV, and then I went to the guy. I, actually, he was Dallas-based. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my gosh. And uh, he was one of those uh, squatters, those name squatters. That they'll sit on a name or they'll buy up a name. And yeah. He was like, ah, oh, $5,000. I go, dude, that, oh, that, no. I go, that name is worth nothing without me. Yeah. I go, if you want to hang on to it, I got the TV now, but I just, I would like to have the dot com back because it's just going to go away. Whatever power you think has it, you know, it's yeah. just going to get shifted over. So, um, so I got him, I talked down to like a hundred bucks, like you did like a hundred, 200 bucks or something like that. And I met up with him and like, I was not going to release the funds until yeah. I physically saw him transfer it over and like, okay, here you go. We found a halfway point, uh, at a friend's office. And uh, he felt comfortable meeting, and we had a nice discussion about how you buy thousands of do- of domain names and sell them off. Yeah, uh, very interesting how that how that goes. Um, but it's interesting with the Indian market. There's like seven different levels. Uh, you know how we have like upper middle class. Well, there's yeah. seven different really? lifestyle levels over there. And there there's a TED talk. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Where the guy uh, is basically afraid to even show his face. Because he was going to like, um, you know, uh, really give the uh, Indian people uh, a what for because of their city streets and their sidewalks. So it looks like he talked about this one intersection, mm-hmm. and there was a TED talk about how he's figured out a key to make the intersection safer because they have a- actual tunnels that were built. The road was built perfect, but no one would use the tunnels to go over this busy intersection because people were peeing in them. <laughs> and there you go those those seven different classes of people yeah you know and uh he was he wore a mask he didn't want anybody to know who he was and he's like this is what i've done to do this i think it's a disgrace oh and it was potholes in the sidewalks kids mm. falling in potholes in sidewalks Jeez. and and breaking a leg <laughs> and i'm like whoa i never do this i'm like where's the street view where's the yeah. i want to see this and i'm sure everybody's seen the famous uh traffic oh, that yeah. you see out there but uh, yeah, yeah, a billion cars and, and people just merge into that stuff like it's no problem. Mopeds, yeah, yeah just just a big just like you're walking. I'd still be waiting there, waiting for that one gap that's never going to come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't know how anybody can do that? But yeah, it's uh, it's a very different culture, and uh, I see a lot of it uh, over here in Irving. Um, so there's a lot more businesses that way, and the and the culture has changed and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. It's, yeah, this this whole area over here is it's always been kind of like that from my experience. Now it's mm-hmm. gotten worse and worse, or not worse, but it's gotten more and more hectic. But it, like this kind of a melting pot of a whole bunch of different cultures in this one little area, and so it seems like it's like the mentality in the mid city area is just a little slightly different than the rest of Texas. You know, it's this. Uh, uh, traffic all hours of the night kind of yes deal. like there's nowhere else in texas like that no i mean like i always houston, I would, that's it. yeah houston and austin the traffic is so bad when it's over there and it's like i gotta put my phone on silent. Uh, i'm sure this is like a uh, a thing that you're supposed to do but yeah austin is the worst and for me when i would pass through it i'd be like if it's not in the morning or in the evening because it's just oh. crawling so yeah and i'd stay away from houston altogether yeah so tell me a little bit more about what you've been doing here recently. I know that uh, that you've been talking about that car thing going on. 
Which car thing? Well, you had a BMW gas tank and then uh Oh, the... Man, I got so many things. Um, so I drove my mother-in-law's car here. The reason I was late... What is it? <clears throat> it's a 2002 Toyota Avalon. Okay. And so... This is my mother-in-law's second Avalon. She loves these cars, right? The first one she had had all this engine sludge problem, which was a known problem for Toyotas in the late 90s and 2000s. Uh -huh. They just... The, something's wrong with the engine to where it just makes sludge in a motor. No matter how many times you change the oil, how diligent you are, it's going to sludge the motor up. And I've never been able to figure out what it is, you know. And I've talked to other Toyota techs and guys are like, yeah, that's always a problem. You always have to flush it out. And eventually, around 100, 150,000 miles, you pretty much need to rebuild the engine because... Not really because the parts are worn out, just because they're all gummed, like all the passageways are all gummed up with this coating in Whoa. them. And it's like this thick, viscous, almost like honey kind of stuff. You know? huh. Anyway, um, so I got a car and needed a whole bunch of work. So for the last week, I mean, I've spent like 25 labor hours working on that damn car. The, the timing belt, the water pump, the rack and pinion on it, the power steering pump. I had to flush all the metal lines in the power steering system, replace all the rubber hoses. Um, I did the uh, both valve cover gaskets, and it's a front-wheel drive V6, so one valve cover is super easy to get to, and the next valve cover you got to take the intake manifold off to get to. So, now, now, how is this being compensated? Is this for apple pies and sandwiches? What's I own money. Yeah, basically, I oh, owe a lot of man. money. So when I uh, uh, do work like that, they take that labor off when I. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. So okay. So this is this is manifold work. This is like a full overall. Yeah. So I did all this work to it. Hook it up. Me and my son go out and test drive it, and we drive it to the car wash. And I do this thing whenever I uh, work on vehicles like that. I usually take it to the car wash and wash everything, including the engine, because I usually have hand grease prints somewhere. You know, and if I wash the entire car. Usually I get that hand grease print off of it, and the car looks better, and the customer's happy. Yeah. Took it up there, washed it, drove it back, no problem at all in a test drive. Next day, we get in it, get to, we're driving back to Fort Worth to my in-laws to go drop the car off, check engine light comes on, engine stuttering, I'm like... Oh, oh. man. So get all the way up there, drop it off. Um, so last night, we did Thanksgiving yesterday, well, last night I took off, went back home so I could work on the car. Yeah. Well, I remember there was this one little valve on the car that has this hose that goes to it and runs off vacuum from the intake manifold and I broke that valve. So I took the valve out and I just stuck it in the air box thinking, well, well, it'll draw clean air through the air filter at least. Well, that was causing a vacuum leak past the mass airflow sensor so it was just running like crap the whole time. Uh -huh. So yesterday before I left, I grabbed that hose and I just stuck it on a bolt head to try to like plug it off. Worked great. Drove it all the way home to Stephenville last night. Perfect. Drove it all the way from Stephenville to here this morning perfect go into the house text you telling i'm on my way grab a backpack go get in the car start it up something starts squealing underneath the hood i don't even know what it was squealing so i turned the car off let it sit for about five seconds turn it back on whatever was squealing stop squealing i was like oh great but now the car is running kind of yeah oh jeez so I get my scan tool out, hook it up, and now it's got a problem with this variable valve timing in the front cylinder head, so I've got to fix it now. Is it a domino effect? You yes. think? Okay, that's what happened. Huge, happens. huge domino Now that effect. you affect something, yep. uh, you moved something else. Exactly. Yeah, that's the problem with mechanical stuff, especially when the higher mileage engines. Mm -hmm. You have to make this decision, like when you pull, when I pulled the valve covers off, they were all sludged up, so I cleaned them immaculately. I mean, I scrub, I got a parts washer that's real nice, and I spent a lot of time making sure they're perfect, putting them back on. The problem is when you open an engine, if you disturb anything, 
like that, other than a bare minimum of stuff, sometimes you open up more can a can of worms that you really shouldn't have opened up. So yeah. it looks like bad mechanic in, but usually when you take stuff out, you just clean the gasket surfaces and you just put the damn thing back together. Man, I was I was actually talking to a guy yesterday that said that he was up north had a he he had an idea for a mechanic uh, facility. It was and so what he did was wanted to cater to women. And he had like immaculate bathroom and immaculate front room. And essentially what he did was um, he catered to women, but then he came up with a membership program where if you were a member, you literally only pay $1,000 a year to have all these maintenance done. So it's like new tires, they need new tires. Like then no question, no haggling. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the tires we're putting on. These are the things we're fixing and just don't worry about it. You bring it in or even had a set of keys where they would just go and pick up the car, bring it in, fix the thing. And I was thinking, wow, that, that's probably pretty good for a certain select type of women that are out there. Maybe, you Maybe. know, business women, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or, I, You know, for, it's a really good idea, but from my experience, from dealing with people in a shop, even if a woman brings her car in, she's usually calling uh, some man in her life, right? you know, outside asking about, is this, you know, if she has a man in her life, then she's... Uh, she's calling to ask his suggestion and his input or some mechanic that she knows. Very rarely did I ever have a woman come in, didn't know anything about cars, didn't have anybody in her life, know anything about cars, and was just at the will of the shop. Yeah. You know, because just didn't know any better kind of deal. Right. You know, and I always made it a point to try to explain to every woman that ever came in, regardless of how clueless she was, I'm like, look, I'm going to explain to you the basics of how this system works and why we're, we need to fix your car this way. You know, try to spend that extra 20 but seconds. But. Exactly. You know that it all dips down to the way that you're speaking. Yeah. And and what, and your passion comes out, and they're like, yeah. he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to help me out. And at the end of the day, I mean, uh, most of the time, though, it, the, the person who okayed the work was usually a guy when it came to mechanic work. Mm. So I don't know if you exclusively try to make a clientele of just a woman-based customer shop, you know, not excluding men, but just trying to, I don't know if it would be that successful because right. most women rely on the man in her life to make those decisions, and most guys aren't going to like, you know, an interior decorated oh, yeah. auto shop. Yeah, you know, it's got to have that cheap, stupid cha- set of chairs and tile checkered floor or whatever that you see in every shop because gives it that ambiance that feels like a shop. Yeah, you know, for guys, it's manly or something. And yeah, but yeah, that's that's interesting. I wonder. Uh, we were even talking about uh, women mechanics. Uh, we we were looking at women mechanics to yeah. see out there. That's a very interesting. Um, you get one of those. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't really know any. Yeah. There's one girl on Instagram um, that I, I talked to and friendly with, and she mechanics on her own cars, and but she's not a professional mechanic. She doesn't get paid for it. Hmm. Uh, I don't know where her back. I think she got. She went to school for mechanic work, whatever. But she's a, works at a parts counter now. And usually, if I ever meet a girl that was a mechanic in the industry, they usually gravitate towards going from mechanic work to parts sales or service rider or something else. They never stick with mechanic in. Yeah, yeah. There's a school with two. There was two mechanics in school. Okay. Um, there was when I went to the ASC certified like community college thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's two girls in there. I was like, whoa. Yeah. They're gonna learn this stuff too. That's yeah. crazy. There used to be one or two girls in a class, you know, out of, you know, a hundred, mm. but I've never been in a shop and, and seen or met another female mechanic. Yeah. They might have just dabbled in it mm. and then moved on to some other subject. Yeah. Which they make good mechanics, you know, from what I've been told. Yeah. The guys and reading articles about women mechanics because they, you know, they have a different perspective of things for a reason. Yeah. You know, that way we, 
can mate and get along, you know, male to female kind of deal. Yeah, now don't get all sexist on me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's just true, you know. I mean, they have a, uh, they're, they're meant to have a different point of view than we are. Yeah, ironically, I was talking about the other day. I was think, uh, uh, uh Jessica has a uh, comic book that basically uses common situations and phrases, but completely turns them around. And I was thinking, yeah, that'd be interesting as an alien's point of view looking on the human creature, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, they get to a certain age and things swell up on them. And then the, there's <laughs> there's one where they, they paint the face and they, they you know, they uh, show more skin of yeah. the swelling. And, you know, it's just very interesting. Uh, I was thinking of those concepts and how just odd that our society is on that and how, you know, the Beauty and the Beast type of mentality uh, and, and seeing as, you know, the guy, he's in a full, full you know, sleeved cover suit. Yeah. And that's the way they want to see that. Um, uh, yeah, you look at the red carpets and stuff like that, but, um, yeah, we had a talk like that and, uh, um, but going back to what we were discussing earlier with the the crazy cameras, um, and how the cameras have kind of evolutionized into this quality issue. And it, and it started back with the old 5D, uh, marked 5D Mark II, I think, or 5D Mark III. I can't, I can't tell, but it was Canon that, that, that let the, uh, that let loose on this and you you were, we were talking about the tax incentives for importing cameras yeah and how they can only run a certain duration to be considered yeah. a still camera and that's why i didn't get a dslr i mean uh and, and and you currently have a camcorder which i wish i still had that when when i was early in the back of the day i was shooting weddings and i had this camcorder and it was like it had a zoom fi- feature on there it had a steady cam feature on mm-hmm. there and zooming, you didn't have any question. You knew that you could zoom what would be considered in a DSLR world as like a thousand millimeters. You could just really zoom in there. Mm-hmm. Of course, in the camcorder industry, it's twenty times whatever the heck. Yeah. But uh, you knew that you could, if you were, you could zoom into a person's face from across the street. Right. Well, not with a DSLR. You know, you have to get a special lens and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and you can only go certain width, and there's interchangeable lenses with DSLRs. But what had happened was. We, I gave that up, and I'm, and you gave that up in in certain uh, situations where you had to film something that looked really good, cinematic yeah. quality, and uh, it was because of the size of the sensor, and that's what's what's cool about your technical background because it's all on that 35 millimeter thing, mm-hmm. and this where this is where my passion gets really hardcore into the film industry, but also in the mechanic uh, side of it because a lot of my guys, you get. In my industry, you got the artists, and the artists are all very particular, you know, 24 frames a second. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys don't understand. It's as slow as you can get film to go before it starts yeah. strobing. No, no, it's 23.92. Oh, that, don't even get me started on that, because that's all about 60 cycles. The six, In America, we have 60 cycles, and they have to break it up, you know, uh-huh. and uh, you can't, I mean, that's why um, that 29.9 seven whatever the oh my yeah. gosh i don't even want to talk about it <laughs> and uh, i mean to me a frame is a frame just stick yeah. frame to frame progressive sure call it that i don't care p 24p or yeah. 60p just just leave the p there i don't want this interlacing stuff and yeah. have you heard of interlacing you know what this is oh yeah nonsense nonsense um so i won't get in into that too much but you could go look it up just go look up you know interlacing what i and what p is and uh, progressive progressive yeah. sc- scanning you just want a picture you want a picture 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 Motion picture. And um, I do believe our culture, unfortunately, at our generation, uh, it'll die off. And we see movies as 24 frames a second. I don't know if you remember when the TV started doing the up-resing. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I saw Dirty Harry, and it looked yeah. like a soap opera. Yep. I'm like, I don't remember. Why does it look funny? Yeah, it I don't. Weird. Yeah, and it was like I don't remember. Football games. Right. Football games came out at sixty frames a second, and I liked it because it's like you could tell it was real life. Yes. I was like, oh, it's a live game, and I felt like more captivated. But they went back to this twenty-four frames a second. Wow. And now it. It doesn't look live to me. It looks pre-recorded, you know. Yep. Because like, that was the whole wrap-up. When you were watching the NFL game, they would do a pre-wrap-up or a story behind the scenes, and it was all film. Mm-hmm. And it was 24 frames, and it looked cinematic. Yeah. But then they tried to bring it into the, the sports, mm-hmm. like you're talking about. Yeah. I, I I've never heard anybody talk about it like that until you said that. That's wild. Yeah. That's, and if you watch, you know, matter of fact, yesterday, watching the Cowboy game, I was like, I remember watching the Cowboy game on Thanksgiving. 3.30, and it was 60 frames a second, you know, for a while. And I really, you know, I don't know if I'm just the only one, but I really enjoyed that 60, that, that fluid and the fluidity of it. You know, it just looked, it popped more. It seemed like, yes, I'm into the game. And like you said, exactly. They would commercial break and an interview with the Troy Aitman or, you know, or Tony Romo or whoever was done in 24. They'd go back to live. Yeah. And now it's just this, like, I can't tell if this game was in the early 90s or right. 2000s. And, or and I when you see a video come up that's 60, mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's so clear. It looks great. Yeah, it looks fantastic. I know. And, and uh, I don't know. Are you doing 60? Are you? Uh, no, I upload it. So the reason I do mine at the the, the fault 30. On, yeah. Right. The, the fault on W Premier Pro, I think it's that the only reason I know that 23.92, whatever it is, because that's what is defaulted at okay um when you film and shoot and like i film and i think in 60 frames and then adobe premiere pro goes back into like uh i forget what you call that but it next it down to 30 frames a second or whatever mm-hmm. but i upload it at 30 to youtube yeah i don't have any particular reason why other than um well i guess here lately because my computer that i had i bought it and it had a graphics card. It's not a great graphics card, but there is a graphics card in there. You know, it's a, uh, a GTX something, whatever. But Adobe decided to delete all their drivers for the older graphics cards to where it doesn't work. I can't run it. I can't use their CUDA, like their accelerated hardware deal for my graphics card because they just took the drivers out. So now it's only using the graphics card on the motherboard, which is just jack crap. And so yeah. I don't have the processing to really process and do 60 frames a second anymore. Or Yeah, we, I don't know how to say it, but we're victimized by the contracts that they come up with. Mm-hmm. They might come up with it like, oh, you know what? NVIDIA is not the, the, the newest flavor. Uh, they decided to go with AMD, so screw you guys for this year and your software. Uh, it's just not going to mix. Yep. Sorry. Sorry that you learned this software and have this hardware. Yeah. But uh, you just have to render slower. But if you want to render faster, and I, I, I always think, somebody's strategic. They're like, hey, AMD, uh, can we be with you for one year and then we'll be with NVIDIA? Exactly. And let's, cheat, let's just try to barter that. And there's people bartering. I actually had a theory that um, uh, Sony uh, would have an envelope. Uh, Sony on a certain branch, because Sony's like an octopus. It has many different tentacles. Yeah. And they get an envelope. And they're like, okay, this is you know from the archives, because they've... They've researched and studied and forecasted. They actually have an envelope. Because when I would go to these huge shows, I'm sorry, I get I get multi-planed no. here. The envelope has what they're going to be putting into the the next product. Mm-hmm. So these features. Uh, when I would go to these shows that, to buy the latest camera, this is pre all this DSLR and red camera nonsense. You know, film was film. 
digital video was video and mm-hmm. you had those guys and uh videos news videos you know event vid- videographer whatever so they would show you oh well you know this is camera a1 uh that you just bought and it's a great camera but we're coming out with this new camera this year and it's a2 and in that glass box is a3 the model a3 and that's the thing you're gonna need next year yeah it's like what what what? wait a minute wait a minute this camera that i just bought is you know well you can an a4 in that box yeah exactly and then they try to ramp you up with the standard def and then the hd and then oh my god you know that that mentality carries over in every industry yeah Every single industry does that that bull crap. Like wow. phones, uh-huh. like you come out with the the newest, latest, greatest. I you know the Galaxy is what oh, S10, the phones, yeah, S11. Mm-hmm. Like there's not that much difference between the 10 and 11. There's really not that much difference between an eight and a, and a 10, eight and 11. But this advertising makes you think that I've got to have that that 124 megapixel camera. Yeah, you know, even though that you know megapixel doesn't doesn't equal it doesn't mean nothing it's right. all about your lens on and, the camera and it, it gets back to cars it gets back to why we have so many different styles yeah. of cars and every car can't look the same yeah and then Equipment. guess what that part doesn't exist anymore it's last year's part i'm going to the uh, uh con expo in 2020 uh-huh and it's a huge construction exposition in uh, las vegas i only have it every three years and yeah. i have the biggest, you know, caterpillar machines will be there and it takes up like five or six city blocks i mean it's a massive show and a lot of these, like, they do this every three years, but they, there's no breakthrough in technology as far as earth-moving earth equipment in the last three years. Huh. It's still engines driving hydraulic pumps, which are driving everything on the outside. And it'd be a couple of different things that it does, you know, like the buttons are different. But that's it. And I guarantee that that idea for whatever they added this year, they came up with that stuff four or five years ago, but mm. they have to have something for the new model. Yeah, we've got a new gasket. Yes. A revolutionary gasket. Yeah. Unlike the gasket we had last year that was round. Ours is square. Yeah, this is more ergonomic. Yeah, I, I was even listening to uh, the Apollo 11 scenario, uh, one of the astronauts, or no, Apollo 13, where they had the breakdown. Mm-hmm. He goes, well, the lunar module and the other module were built by two different companies. So when they had that air filter uh-huh. situation, yeah. it was basically the other company made a round one the other one, this this module had a square one, so they had to figure out how to get a square and a round. Yeah, can you believe that? I was like, whoa! So that's what that whole scene was. <laughs> yep. They they kept it all like, oh, they just had to, you know, uh, something broke down. And they had to manufacture something from scratch. No, 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 no. They had to convert the square filter <laughs> into a round filter. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Up, uh, uh, was it duct tape and plastic bags and one of the hoses for their uh, astronaut? Yeah, it's- yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can't stand. What was it? Uh, Casey Nasdat. I think that's what started his light bulb documentary. He, um, I can't remember what his documentary was called, but it was basically like, um, why the iPhone? Huh? Was it the battery in the iPhone? Talk about that the really really old one. I didn't know. I, well, maybe it was. It was a documentary that the trailer hinged on the thousand hour light bulb. He goes, why did the thousand hour go down to five hundred hour light bulb? What what made the degradation in this product? And he was talking about, um, I guess it was, what was it called? Evolutionary destruction. Well, not, not evolutionary destruction. What is it yeah. called? Like a planned, planned failure. Planned obsolescence. That's it. Yeah, planned obsolescence. It's incredible. It's incredible. You know that, and, and people don't, I'd love to talk to an engineer sometime. Yeah. Because people don't really understand how hard it is to design something 
that's gonna cost you the least amount of money and the least amount of material as humanly possible and last 100,000 miles or last 10 years or last five years. Like I, you and I can sit down right now and we can engineer something that will hardly, it'll probably never break. Right, right. It'll be, you know, some of the best still in the market. It'll be thick as hell and it's gonna cost you astronomical amount of money to produce each one. Right. There's no way we could produce a million of them. You know, we just couldn't. We could do a thousand of them, make probably pretty good, decent money, but when it came down to it, like actually engineering, like whoever that engineer is or that group of engineers that sits around and thinks that, well, if we put this here, that saves X amount of grams in material, which saves, you know, X amount of material uh-huh. overall. And, mm-hmm. that- and it will have an X life expectancy of X. Yeah. And that's where that planned obsolescence comes in. They're yeah. like, okay, could, so how far can we make this thing? I wouldn't be surprised. I, I want, they probably have a very, very special word for it, but they're like, okay, now that the final design is, what's the, what's the, uh expected failure rate yeah. or whatever. And but it all revolves around people's willingness to buy it. Yes. That's what, it, you know, everyone contributes to it. And then it gets lost in yeah. multifaceted emotions like vanity, yeah. you know, or did I get the best or, well, I want the cheapest and yeah. then all that other nonsense. And then here we go. We got these crazy products. Yeah, I don't get it. Like everybody gets all ramped up about these companies doing that stuff. And I was like, okay, like Starbucks. Uh-huh. I was just talking to somebody about Starbucks yesterday. I, I boycotted Starbucks for the last year, year and a half. I haven't spent a dime with them at all. Whoa. I just won't go. Yeah. And it's all because of that situation where they fired that manager for throwing those guys out of the restaurant. Remember that? No, tell me about this. Okay, I, so, I don't go to Starbucks at all. Um, so I used to be a, a frequent at Starbucks. I used to go there, you know, maybe one, I say frequent, once a week, once every other week. I didn't spend, you know, maybe my average is like 10 bucks a month at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, I think up in Oregon or one of those states, you know, one of the, the far west states, northwest states, they had the Starbucks. Two guys come in. They sit down in the lobby. They don't buy anything at all. They just sit in the lobby for the free Wi-Fi, and they're there for three hours. Well, it becomes rushed and a rush hour, and the manager comes over and talks to the guys. He goes, hey, guys, this is rush hour. Y'all haven't bought anything in a long time. Can y'all please leave? So we can open up these chairs for paying customers. And it becomes this huge racist deal at that point. Oh, my. They start throwing a huge temper tantrum in the store. The manager calls 911. You listen to the 911 call. The guy never says what race these guys are. He just says, I have two gentlemen in my lobby. They haven't paid for anything. They've been here for three hours. I asked them to leave. They haven't left. Cops come and they tell the guys, you have to leave. You know, you don't have the right to sit in somebody's business just because you want to. So Starbucks' reaction to that was fire that manager, um, make a, uh, I don't know if they made a settlement with those guys or they came to an agreement. What? They even, with, they even yeah, isn't they, there signs in yep. stores that say we can serve you? Except for Starbucks now. And then they had a cultural sensitivity training class for all of its employment management and all of its locations <laughs> about if somebody wanted to come in and sit in their lobby, they have wow. the full right to come in and sit down and use the free Wi-Fi and the facilities and not... So I don't agree with yeah. them firing that manager. I yeah. understand what the manager did was not part of their culture right. in their company, but you shouldn't have fired that guy because of that. That mm. should have been a, hey, we know what you're trying to do. You're trying to be helpful to the company. We want you to do it this way from now on. I don't think that guy would have like thrown a handsy fit about it. I don't think he would have. But some guy lost his livelihood yeah. and got smeared all over. Oh, yeah. And in my opinion, that corporation should have had his back. Man. You know, they didn't. And so that's what drives me nuts. So, Well, not even that. Just the regional manager or the overseer of that. You know, mm-hmm. they don't want people squatting in there. I mean, if no. you go into California, a Starbucks over there, it's locked. The bathroom is locked. Yep. 
I mean, you want to you want to talk about racial profiling there, you know? Yeah, you know, and it's it's that kind of mentality. And so my reaction to it is, I don't like what they did. I don't buy Starbucks. Right. That's how I contribute to the problem, or not contribute to the problem. But that's how I fight the problem. Yes. I can control my money not going to Starbucks and like the planned obsolescence and stuff. If you really don't like it, you don't have to spend your money with that stuff. That's how you can do your part. Everybody's like. Oh, well, you know, what can I do? Do I need to, I'm not going to start a protest. I'm not going to start a movement. I'm not going to get on Facebook and post about this or anything. It's like, well, you don't have to do any of that to do your part on that stuff. You just don't buy it. Exactly. You know, it's like this. Don't realize you don't need to buy it. There's nothing on this planet that you need to consume that somebody else doesn't make. But there you go. There's a lot of problem. It's like, you know, people can't live without that uh, coffee. And uh, did you ever see Nathan for you? Huh? Nathan, for you, is this comedian, and he has a fake reality show that helps businesses out. So he goes around, and he comes up with concepts that are just on the verge of being idiotic, but people go along with him because, well, he's a businessman that has cameras following him that help businesses out. (laughs) So he says, I decided, and this is probably one of the national, and it's funny, we never heard of this guy. Um, uh, He did a fake Starbucks. He says, and he called it, uh, I think it was like fake Starbucks or Starbucks sucks. Used the exact same logo, exact same color, and it looked like the actual sign was from the sign maker of the same. <laughs> and uh, uh, he made it as an art piece. So he got, talked to his lawyers and he says, as long as I made this a coffee, or I, it was a um, an art gallery that served coffee and told people that it was an art gallery served coffee, he was good to go. And he was. Yeah. And it became so popular. People were wrapped around. The national <laughs> news came in. They couldn't believe, the, you know, Starbucks sucks, I think it was called, yeah. or something like that. And uh, and this Nathan For You guy does that. But it's interesting how that works and how Starbucks was so cold to, to even, even approaching this Nathan For You guy and even with this guy, how that corporation is just like, it's like a headless snake. Uh-huh. And I've seen uh, uh, companies where they don't have a leader, and that and they basically are all like a, a board, a committee, uh-huh. and they get wound up like that. They're like, "Well, we should just fire him and and make a disclosure that says we're sorry and uh, allow all these people to come in." I want agree. I I wonder how many people started squatting in Starbucks. I wonder how many people set up an office in Starbucks yeah. because of that and said, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this train see if." See if I can get a yeah. free a freebie. I'm going to stay in here the whole day. Yeah. How much manpower and, and resources was, was, did Starbucks put into that? And how big of a problem do you really think that was nationwide? Yeah, no kidding. You know, do you really think that was a huge that needed it? You know, to every single well, store in the in nation. It's not a Dunkin' Donuts. Did you ever see the SNL Dunkin' Donuts no. skit? Hilarious. They're trying to do a commercial, and this guy's like, "Hey, hey, I'll be on camera." Yeah, and he's like, he's like loving <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts and stuff like that. Um, and it's that's what it, unfortunately a Dunkin' Donuts attracts. Yeah. You know, the the average Joe that comes in there, yeah. and and uh, he had a broken phone. It was all broken. So he's like, "Hey, hey, I got a, I got a coupon." You know, you know, it's like, it's, yeah. And uh, he was very annoying, and he was trying to smoke. He's, you got to keep that outside. It's outside. He's got his hand outside the door. It's outside. <laughs> I got a funny story about Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, go ahead, good. <laughs> you were that buddy of mine, Baron? Yes, uh-huh. Okay, so Baron is a uh, he's a he was a criminal friend of mine. I mean, just hardcore criminal. I mean, every single enterprise you could think that 
You mean hardcore, but you, do you mean smart criminal? You mean like the average? No, both. Like both? the average dumb, and I mean he was smart and dumb at the same time. So. All right, what's the smartest? I'm sorry, I got to get a gauge here. What's okay, the so the smartest scam that he ever came up with? Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> there was one where Walmart. He would go into Walmart to the clearance aisle. Everything on Walmart's clearance aisle has these little red tags. They're just stickers. Well, he bought a bunch of that stuff, took it home, and tested all these that are like, you know, uh, soap and water, degreaser, hairspray, until he found a certain chemical he could spray on that wow, sticker. Wow, that's smart. And lift it off. That is smart. And he would do this all the same day. So he would go go there, buy, you know, five things, come back out, go outside, wipe them off in the parking lot, go back, he'd stick them in his wallet to a little piece of cellophane, uh-huh. go back into Walmart, grab the most expensive item he could find that didn't have a security tag on it. And he would put it over the barcode and go to the self-checkout aisle, scan it, throw it in the bag, skip bagging, he would have it. So it was mainly like these breast pumps, you know, because they were like 250 bucks. And for some reason, Walmart didn't do that. Well, he would do this. The next day, he would bring that breast pump back for a quote-unquote return and get store credit without the receipt. And Walmart will let you do that like three times a month. Wow. And fourth time, you can ask the manager, and the manager will override it. But at that fifth time, they'll call the cops on you. Wow. Because they think it's a scam, you know, and it is a scam. So he effectively got kicked out of all the Walmart Walmarts in the Tarrant County area. (laughs) Because he he hit them up, or they all got together and said, put them on his mark. Yeah. They all marked him. So that was like one of the clever scams, right? Yeah. Um, One of the dumbest things he ever did is he was driving down the road. All right, let me put you in a situation. Let's say you're a thief. Mm Mm-hmm. You drive down the side of the highway. You see this kind of older white Ford Ranger just parked on the side of the road with these huge 24-inch shiny chrome wheels and tires just sitting in the back. <laughs> oh, just sitting in the back. Just sitting in the back. Oh, Nobody's okay. around. Truck's just sitting there. It's not up on a jack or anything. Right. It's just sitting there. It's the same thought I have when I see a Harley sitting on the side of the road. Yeah. You okay. think about stealing it, but you know <laughs> this has got to be a scheme, right? Yeah. We all do that. We're all like... Dude, I could steal those tires in like 30 seconds. Yeah. But we're all smart because we all realize that that's probably bait, right? Right, right. Yeah, it was bait. He <laughs> <laughs> pulled over through all this crap in the back and took off, right? And uh-huh. they, he didn't make it 100 yards, and they pulled him over. And he was on parole at the time. Oh, my gosh. Didn't need the money. Classic thief. Yeah, and he was on his way to go buy a boat. Didn't need the money. You know, he had yeah. cash in his pocket right. that he made illegally, barred, but he had cash on his way to go buy a $10,000 boat. Yeah. Gets pulled over for stealing freaking wheels. Uh, anyway, so man. he's a manager at Dunkin' Donuts one time. Yeah. And uh, I used to go up there and, uh, and visit him at Dunkin' Donuts. He'd hook me up with like a free coffee or he'd make me a mocha latte, whatever, you know, hand it to me. So I cruise by Dunkin' Donuts there in White Settlement one day, drive up, come up, and I'm like watching baron and he's doing this weird thing with the cash register like he's ringing people up but i don't hear anything clanging in the cash register there's no ding 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 ding, and he's just like barely touching it but the drawer is just not quite pushed in all the way and so he's having customers coming up and he's setting their money down on the counter and he's doing three or four customers at once and he's taking their cash supposedly putting it into the cash register getting their <laughs> coffee well he does this to a secret shopper because you know, the companies are smart and they can tell when there's money being laundered off, you know, even small amount, like people don't believe it, but at a restaurant, big chains like that, if you're siphoning off a dollar 
it'll set a red flag. Like they will literally figure it out within a month that you, you know, there's a dollar missing and wow. they'll start on a headhunt. Wow. New employees are always the first ones that get popped. So That's horrible. He did that. So I'm there. He hands me my coffee and then his general manager walks in, takes him in the back. He comes out and gives me this look and just shakes his head, walks out and I just leave. So the next day he comes by my house and goes, yeah, I got fired. <laughs> All for... I think it was like $22 or something like that, you know, that he had skimmed off the top that day. There's just an absolute, like he's brilliant in one area and absolute freaking moron in other areas. Yeah. What a, yeah, I think I remember meeting him a few times. Is he, is he, is he out and about now or is he? I don't know. I haven't talked to him in four years. He, <sighs> so he was in jail. Um, I just started working for myself in 2014. Uh huh. He gets put in jail the uh, January of 2015. So when I started working for myself, I mean, money was a disaster. You know, I'm sure you've been down that road. You know, yep. you start working and you're trying to hustle and everything seems like it's every single step I took forward, I owed some money on something. Yep. You know, I'd drive somewhere, something would break. I'd have to spend 400 bucks on a part in my truck. And then I'd do the customer's job. I'd make $2,000, but then I'd have to come back the next day because... Some you know the brand new part that I put on is already broke. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, he goes to jail. Hmm. Nobody will talk to this dude. He's ripped off everybody he's known. He's never ripped me off. <laughs> you know, the whole time we've ever been friends. Yeah. And so his mom calls me and says, "Hey, I'll pay his bail if he can parole out to your house." I was like that, but I don't want him over here. And I was like, I'll talk to Rachel about it. And so we, uh, I talked to him. I'm like, dude, you can put my my address down. We have an extra room. You can stay here with us. Mm-hmm. And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, you know, if you don't have any place, but you need to get back on your feet. I'm not doing good financially. Um, I can't afford to feed you and everything. I'll, you know, I'll give you a couple hundred dollars to get your cell phone, get you on your feet, but that's it. Yeah. Um, stay here for a month. After a month, you need to figure something else out. Like, okay. So he comes in and he's got this buddy of his. It's like this business partner deal to where we're going to start uh, doing these frame cleans and cleanups after brand new homes, like track homes. Like, yeah. You know, housing development is like this housing development. So you build... You come in and it's just a lot and you have to scrape everything away and level the pad, right? Mm-hmm. Well, one company typically typically does that. After that, they come up and they do the concrete and they usually throw all the forms just on the ground. So they throw those forms and then they do the frame, the actual wood frame, and they throw all that crap on the ground. Well, they pay a company or a guy to come out and clean up all the stuff that they threw on the ground. Wow. And then when they sheetrock the entire house, they do that again. You come out a second time, you clean that pile up. Then they get done uh, with the roof, and then you come out and clean that pile up. And then at the very last part, you finish grade everything on the outside, which means just make the yard smooth as possible with a bucket. Yeah. Um, and make sure your grades, you know, which is the direction of slope and everything, is looks okay. And you fill in, you take all the trash <clears throat> from the last part, and you clean it out. Well, you charge for every single one of these trips. You know, it's two or three hundred bucks a trip. Mm-hmm. Well. I borrowed my brother-in-law's F, or F350 or F250. I had to work on it to get it to work, and I had that truck and a trailer. And I had bought enough, I had saved up money to buy a service truck, so I bought my green service truck, and I let Baron drive the F250. Okay. So I sent him on his way, and we have this this business deal. Like, okay, I'm funding the truck, I'm paying for the fuel, I'm paying for the insurance, I've got the tax ID, I'm doing my uh, invoices and everything. Um, all he has to do is drive the stupid truck with the dump trailer that I'm paying, you know, put it on my credit card. It was a rental plus the skid steer in the back that I'm actually traded work to a customer of mine. I had to do, 
uh, $2,500 worth of mechanic work repaired for them each month for that machine. Okay. Okay. So he gets all of this and he takes off. All he has to do is show up, clean his crap up in the dump trailer, take it to the dump, dump it, and do this all day. He talks me into letting him hire a helper for like 10 bucks an hour, right? Because it's so retardedly difficult to do this job that he just can't stand it. Hmm. Well, in the meantime, he has to go back to jail on Friday night through Sunday night. Hmm. So at the time, I'm working Monday through Saturday usually on the heavy equipment repair taking off Sundays. Well, he gets so backed up with this work that I have to stop what I'm doing Friday night, go out there Friday night, start the load process, come back Saturday morning, work Saturday morning through Sunday, uh, yeah, Sunday night until he gets out at six o'clock to keep this thing going. Yeah. And so then he starts taking off days in the middle of the week because he never gets a day off. And I go, well, how, what do you mean? I don't give a crap. You don't get a day off. Day off in jail. You're in jail. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, I don't get any days off. I'm working seven days a week now. Right. How I'm paying for everything. And it's like, you got to help me out with this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I go back to my mechanic work, and I noticed that first month we had like 28 invoices, and we, I think I was $9,000 out of pocket, and we only made 7000 And one of the agreements we had, I told him, I was like, look, I don't have any extra money. This is all going to credit card. Whatever I spend this month, I have got to be paid back by the end of that month. Yeah. Or I'm going to not have a house. Yeah, you know? yeah. He understood that. So the first month, we made like $7,800, I think. You know, it was okay. The next month, I think we made like 16000 So all that did was pay me back for all of the rentals, all the fuel, and but all the... Sh- all he saw was that you got 16000 Yeah. Yeah, so he's adding up. He's like, well, 16000 in one month and 7000 in the next month. So where's my, where's my half? I should have like <laughs> twelve, thirteen thousand 13000 here. So month three comes up, and he's like, hey, man, where's my money? And I go, what, what money? And he's like, well, I need to get paid. I'm like, why? Why do you need to get paid right now? And he's like, well, I, I need my own money. I'm like, Baron, I'm paying for the truck, the fuel. You get to use the truck for personal stuff. You're living at my house. You're not paying any utilities. You're not paying for any groceries. That is your payment, is me paying for your groceries, your cell phone bill, giving you a vehicle and all this other stuff. This was the agreement. We have to do this until it's profitable enough for both of us to agree on splitting what's left. Yeah, budget doesn't have any context. No. No. And so the next month comes up, we went from 28 invoices down to 17 invoices. Month after that comes up, we went down to like 11 invoices. And I was like, and I I made the spreadsheet, and I'm like, why is this stuff not getting billed? He's like, oh, no, that got billed last week. I'm like, no, it didn't get billed last week. I have a spreadsheet here. It didn't get billed. Why... This is the list of addresses. Here's the map. Here's the ones that you say you've done. Here's he started the doing the open. thing. Yeah. Why'd you go from this row over to this row when mm. this row wasn't even done? Man. Doesn't make any sense. So long story short, he had started his own company, <laughs> went to the housing developer, told them we need to do, uh, to do two separate companies and invoice some of the addresses of this company and invoice some of the addresses in this. Oh he was using all my equipment to do this work and taking 100% of the other profit. And right. I was just paying for everything. Wow. So you ended up getting me for like, nine, I think, nine and a half thousand bucks. Jeez. You know, and over the course of three months. And then 4,000 of that was waste management. I had rented these big, huge 40-yard roll-off dumpsters. When you rent those, you can't fill them up to the top of the brick. And that overweighs them. They can only have so much weight in them. It doesn't matter how much their ability to haul is. It's all based on weight because yeah. of safety standards. I told him, don't fill these damn things up full of bricks. So what does he do? Fills them up full of brick. So one of them sat there for 
three and a half months, and he never told me about it. Apparently, Waste Management kept calling and kept calling and kept calling him, and I knew about it at one time and told him, it was like, hey, hire that day laborer, two of them, have all of them transfer the bricks by hand out of that thing on the ground so they can come lift it, and then the, we'll just use the skid steer to put them back in there. Yeah. Because you can't drive the skid steer in a damn dumpster. You'll destroy the dumpster. And he tried to drive it into dumpster. <laughs> and, um, you know, luckily he didn't do anything to dumpster. He just couldn't get to where he was trying to go, and yeah. it didn't work. But he just left it there. So I ended up having to pay waste management four grand to come out and clean up that mess. And so, yeah, he was a... <laughs> that sucks. Criminal enterprise. But. Yeah. Hey, I mean, that's that's the way they think. I'm getting gypped, so I'm going to try doing it this way. What was it? Um, I remember... Now that you talk, it was about dump loading, uh, off offloading that uh, that stuff using that dump truck, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I was roofing, I remember it was like the worst thing. Not worst thing. I was just it was just like um, we would fill up those with shingles. I mean, those shingles are heavy and everything. Oh yeah. Well, uh, we would get to the dump, and there would be a guy there, an older guy. Obviously, he was probably the owner of this his own roofing company because everybody got hit pretty hard during the time I was there. Uh, working on the roofs, and I guess it was after the the biggest hailstorm we had, or whatever. So everybody was just on the roofs. This guy was hand throwing out all the shingles because he, you know the dumps trucks the, couldn't get in there, or the uh, the backhoes in the in the big. Mm-hmm. So we had we had put we had laid um, chains with tires mm-hmm. on the bottom of the of the bed. So we just had one of the caterpillars come and just drag everything yeah. out. So he saw that. I'm like, and I looked over and I was like. I go. I bet. I bet he now will never go to this dump and hand yep. throw this stuff out of here and just use that that technique. But the bricks kind of reminded me of doing that. Yeah. And it sucks because uh, when you have friends, you can't use friends because uh, they start thinking that way. And my even my own sister was like that. She was just like she was getting paid more than we were, and she's like, I don't know if I can do this anymore, and I'm not getting paid enough, and yeah. And they don't even see all the back end. You know, we're paying for the office, we're paying for all this yeah. stuff. And uh, they don't even see greed, that on the budget. Huh? I, 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 is it greed? I guess so. They feel like they're, they should be getting half. They mm-hmm. feel like they're doing enough work. I don't know. Um, it sucks. I, you can, in, in my opinion, there probably is a friend you could do business with and be successful. Yes, they're, they're good partners, yes. But you have to know for a fact that that person has the same ideals that you do about business. Right. And realize, like, you have to have a different mentality when it comes to, to trying to build your business. If I'm trying to build my business and I make $1,000 profit, I don't see myself spending that $1,000 going on vacation. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's not how it works. I'm like, okay, out of that 1000 we need to do this, this, <laughs> this. Okay, let's say we really do have $600 profit out of that $1,000. Mm-hmm. i am not spending all that profit. You know, I want to spend, it's like, okay, what equipment do I need? Um, how can I invest this back to the company, you know, uh, there's that one machine that I really, really want, but it's three thousand dollars. I'll just hold on to that, you know, uh, five hundred dollars out of that six hundred for that one machine, so I don't have to buy that on credit, and I'll only pay myself a hundred. Yeah. But people don't look at it that way because they're like, well, you're getting that machine for your company, so you're technically getting six hundred dollars, <laughs> three thousand bucks for your machine, and I'm getting shafted. So where's my money? Yes. It's like without buying this machine, we cannot grow this business. I cannot possibly pay you anymore. And I can't stand educating customers. 
Mm-hmm. And in my industry, I have to educate them. And they're like, well, I don't know. You basically, uh, you know, you, you click enough buttons and you got my stuff. Yeah. You know, you're like, why can't you just click some buttons a little cheaper than that? And you're like, eh, there's there's yeah. cost involved. There's Same time. My heart surgeon can't just make a couple of cuts and have your heart repaired. Yeah, exactly. Everybody can cut somebody's heart out of their chest, believe it or not. Yeah. Knowing how to do it properly. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, uh, a photographer friend of mine was like... Uh, he was trying to do a band's uh, a band's portfolio and take photos, and they were looking at the price. Well, I think I'd get my uncle to do that. He goes, "Oh yeah, your uncle could do that. Well, maybe he can come up. You know, maybe I can go and suck his. You know, like <laughs> as well. You know, just just outrageous. Like how? Why would you even say something like that? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, it sucks to educate them on that. And then you you think, oh, I don't I don't have the right. I don't think I have the right customer in that in that respect. Yeah. And what's great now that you're producing your own products or your own content, well, you're still having to deal with them, but you have even more of a, a say-so in it. Mm-hmm. Like these Chinese companies that are coming at you. So tell me, as a, as a YouTube influencer, what was the, what we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. What happens now? What, what happens? These guys will come out at you. Hey, you. Oh, yeah. So they'll send you an email, and it'll be some just, you know, uh, uh, general generalized email. And they'll usually say something like, Hello, friend. I watch your YouTube channel. Love your videos. Your content is awesome. Hmm. Never says your name. Never says what kind of content you have. It's just <laughs> your content is awesome. Um, we have this product for sale. Um, we'd love to give you the product for free to put it on your channel. Don't ever take it for free. I don't give a crap what size your channel is. It doesn't matter. Do not take it for free. Why is that? What was going on? Because they'll pay you. They'll pay everybody. Like, if you have a tiny, tiny channel and a following, they will pay you to have it on your freaking channel. Wow. They just, they're trying to get it for free, and they want you to think that they've given you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're just playing you is what they're doing. They know all good and damn good and well what they're doing at your expense. Wow. But you're inexperienced, so you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you write them back, and I always write them back as just a standard reply email. It's like, hey, your product or I'll say your product or service sounds interesting and awesome. Literally written just like that, just for the Chinese guys. Because they're going to translate it. Yeah, they're going to translate it, and like just because it sounds you know funky to me and you, it doesn't sound funky to them. Yes. But they use words like awesome <laughs> and all this other stuff, so I just grab their words and put it back in and throw it at them, right? Um, so I tell them like, hey, you know, if to advertise your product on my channel for an exclusive video is three thousand bucks for. Um, mentioning a one-minute ad is five hundred for a product placement is three hundred. You know, and they'll come back like, oh, we tiny company. We not be, we not have much money, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, I'm sorry, your company's not doing that great. When it's doing better, write me back. And you'd be surprised how often they'll write back. It's like, would you take $1,000 for the video? And you have to go that far. I mean, it's, wow. see, people, they don't understand this about Chinese culture. They are taught how to do business from a very young age. And they know how to play on Americans because Americans, we, we give more charity than any other country in the whole planet. It's uh-huh. taught to us at a young age to be charitable. Mm. And they play on that. And that's the charity that they're trying to get is they're trying to get a dirt cheap $12 product that you'll put on your channel and make you feel like, oh, I'm really special because companies are sending me this product. Yeah. So you get to the point where they'll send you the... Okay, we send you a product, you know, Car Sparkle, you know, headlines. All right, what is this Car Sparkle? What is this nonsense? So this company writes me, and it's these LED car headlights, okay. right? And usually these are all junk. Most of them, everyone I've ever seen or heard of, they're all trash. Yeah. None of them work very long. They do work. They're in a weird color, or you can't ever get them to, like, line up perfectly. Or there's always something wrong with them. So they sent me this um, email. It's like, hey, the name of the company is Car Sparkle. And my first response is... 
a LED headlight from a company called Car Sparkle is not going to have anybody buy it because your name is Car Sparkle. Yeah, you, you know, might as well call you like Sunset Princess Light. Yeah, you yeah know? it sounds sounds gay. It sounds fruity, <laughs> you know, honestly. I mean, yeah. guys that are into modifying their cars mm-hmm. with like LED headlights, Dude. they're not going to buy like, yeah. you know, the Unicorn Prince number twos or something. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Dude, that, that headlights are so badass. Where'd you get them? Car Sparkle. Yeah, the Car Sparkle, man. You want a link? <laughs> so, and that's what I wrote him. I told him, he's like, I don't like the name. He's like, well, then, and they wrote me back. He's like, okay, well, don't, don't say what the company name is. I'm like, yeah. What's the logo have... like? Is that a rainbow on it? I don't it? even know. <laughs> okay, anyways. So, um, so we, we write back and forth, and they finally say, okay, we'll send you the headlines. And I told them in this email, I even have a written agreement. This is back in September. Mm. And I told them, I have too much stuff going on in October. I will not even be filming it until the first week of November. Huh. After I get back from a wedding, I was like, I have a, the, the, I think the first week of November that weekend, I have a wedding. So it's going to be like the 9th, 10th, 11th or something like, okay, we, we, we okay with that. So they send me these headlights. Halfway through October, they start sending, hounding me with emails every single day. It's like, what's progress in the video? And I wrote them back. There is no progress in the video. I'm not filming it until the, you know, after the first week of November, you know, November 8th or 9th or whatever. Right. And they're like, oh, we need, the, uh, we need progress in the video. The customer is very impatient. So I run them back. I don't care if your customer is very impatient. This is the agreement we had. So then they start like, spamming me emails. Is this pre or post payment? Or what do they, when do they pay? They haven't even paid me. Okay. They just sent me that. Like, so normally, wow. company sends a product. I get the product. I do the video. I send them a video with a watermark on it. Tell them it's X amount of money to make this public on my channel. Once the video is done, that's when they pay. I see. So same same courtship here. You have it unlisted yeah. and you send it to them or something. No, I haven't done a video. But know? when you do, you have a logo on there. Yeah, a watermark. Okay. Yeah, I just watermarked the whole deal. All right. So I wrote them back and uh, I finally just got tired of it. Listening like it's the same email every day. And it's in the morning at two a.m. They'd write me, "Hello, we need we really need to know the progress of the video. We need to know now." And so I just stopped responding to them. Well, I get a phone call from China, Xinjiang, China. And I let it go to voicemail. That's my voicemail. And it's like this most broken English. She goes, hello, Steve, uh, we want to talk to you. Please read your email or something like that. Wow. And uh, I was like, holy crap. I was like, how did they get my phone number? I never given them my phone number. It's China, so they probably have it, you know? Yeah, they look it up. So um, then they start calling me from this other number. It's like security specialist of China or something like oh. that. It's supposed to be like a police agency. Yeah. Like spoof. Oh, my. This guy writes me, and it's just nasty. He's like, uh, you're in breach of contract, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, I'm not in breach of contract because I, it says on the contract. I'm not going to start until November 8th. And so finally, I just get fed up, and I tell him, write him back. I was like, look, I'll send you the headlines back, or I'll pay for them, but I'm not doing any videos for y'all. Don't ever call. Don't contact me again. I'm not yeah. doing it. So I haven't heard from him since. Wow. You know, but these Chinese companies will do this thing where they entice you, like, hey, we'll pay you 500 bucks to do this app, mm-hmm. you know, app promotion. Okay. And then before payment, then they give you the script. And they want, it has to be within the first minute, within the first two minutes of the video, but not before the first minute. They want 50, 50 to 55 seconds talking nothing about their product. You need to have this sentence, this sentence, this sentence in it. Uh, there needs to be 10 seconds of you actually playing the game on your mobile device or, um, you know, a tablet or whatever. And so they add all this stuff after because they want as much bang for their buck and you have to make the decision, is this worth it or not? Or right. tell them more money. And so yeah, it's always a game with them. And they're the only ones I've ever dealt with like that. Every American company, every other company, 
they're super simple. It's like, hey, we'd like to give you this product for a video. Write them back and say, well, you know, the value of the product is you know high, so I will trade this vet that for a video. Wow. Okay, and they'll send it to me. I'll make the video. Everybody's happy. If it's not, so yeah, for that product plus two thousand dollars, I'll make a video about it. Wow. And American companies like, okay, we send you a check. Where? There you go. They'll PayPal me, send me the check, and yeah. then three weeks later, I get the video done, and I don't. I'm not hassled. I'm yeah. not. I remember having foreign clients and being courted by their assistants saying, just set the price high because they're going to barter down. Yep. I remember hearing it. I go, what? This is such a weird culture. Yep. Why don't we just do what the price is? But I feel that they felt that I was more passionate mm -hmm. and that I wanted them more or that we wanted to bond more. No, it's there's a, a YouTube channel of a guy named uh, Serpentenza. Yeah. And he used to live in China and he's uh, he moved to China to become a teacher. And he taught in China for 10 years. He married a Chinese woman. He's been in that culture for 10 years. And he's, he was the only Chinese vlogger on YouTube. Because you're not allowed, technically you're oh. not allowed to do that, but he was doing it anyway. Wow. And so he would walk around and he, he would his deal, he, him and his buddy would get on motorcycles and they would have GoPros on their motorcycle and little chatterboxes on their motorcycle and they would just record, we're driving around these cities and he would explain some Chinese culture and show. And he talks about their culture is just so vastly different that wow. one, uh, a Chinese person's life is the company. That's it. You everything for the company. Huh. I mean, you you know, at all costs, you will. Uh, they are bred to sacrifice for the company. <laughs> wow. You know, and like over there, I mean, uh, in Chinese, and the way he puts it is like Chinese are, are they're taught and bred to, you need to live to work. That is it. They live to work. You have to work. Everyone needs to work. And over here, we don't live to work. We, we work, you know, to live. That's it. Yeah. We use our money for our time off. We yeah. do our time off. Nobody really likes to go to work. Wow. You know, and it's different over there. It's like they don't, it's not how they're taught. So Jeez. when it comes to business, it's a whole different paradigm for them. So they're going to try to get every single dime they can possibly save. And it's good and bad business at the same time. Yeah. You know, like I said, there's that cultural gap between us and them and mm -hmm. that diversity, but... There's some navigation through it, but in the long run for your like channel and, and other stuff, car, LED card headlights are not going to uh, increase my channel presence in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. It's never going to benefit me other than the short monetary gain that I got from it. Right. So you have to weigh that. I mean, how much cheap junk do you want to put on your channel? Yeah. Uh, and you have somewhat of the freedom to talk about it. I mean, the sparkle thing, it's yeah. hilarious. Um, and I remember uh, working with uh, Chucky and it was like he would hate this stuff he's like I don't know why anyone wants me to, to, to review this yeah. this stuff is horrible and he would have to do it and he would you could see painstakingly he was like well I'm amazed that it's actually doing it <laughs> or like well I was expecting it to be like this you know, you know what's crazy about his videos and people never know he has ever caught this about his videos and it's astounding is if you watch a lot of his quote unquote reviews he's not reviewing the product. He's just showing the product and how to use the product. This is how you turn it on. This product is a 210 volt machine and you can put stigma, steel MIG wire in it or a flux core or a rosin core or a shielded gas. But he's not reviewing. He's basically just going down the He usage. hardly ever gives his two cents. Yeah. He ever says, this is a fantastic whatever. This will, you know, really. That's right. That's there, right. There are some things like the OTC tools, like he really likes those. I got him turned on to those. They're good quality tools and he will take... These are excellent quality, but 
a lot of the welders and stuff that he does and some of the other things like it's just a showing you the product yeah and what baffles me is how many people will buy that product just because he showed it <laughs> that's what gets me is like people will buy that welder just because it was on his channel and he never and he was using it. it yeah yeah that was it you know and it's like holy God. i think that the fascinating thing about him he's on all the time yeah when i i guess when i said on it's like it's kind of like uh home shopping network guys those the he has that great nostalgic so when the even when the camera's off he's that yeah. way yeah uh, you know it's like oh. yeah he's slightly moderated on camera uh-huh but that's it. And just a slight moderation of, you know, we had to watch our cuss words and things like that when we're on YouTube. Yeah. But other than that, like, it's what you see on camera is pretty much what you get in person. You know, he doesn't change his mannerisms. He doesn't change his voice and come like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or Dude, relax. that throws me off. What's yeah. that? What? So you see somebody on YouTube. Have you done, you've experienced yes. this? There's guys on YouTube, like I... I was just, I use my natural voice. Yeah. It's kind of nasally and twangy, you know, right. but I don't care. It's just in my voice. But you'll get somebody that's just all relaxed. Like, uh, yeah, hey, how you doing? What's going hey, on? Hey, today on, on, so on today's project, we're yeah. going <laughs> to have this and we're going to replace a starter. So, and then it's like this kind of velvety smooth, you know, radio kind of yeah. you know, talk show yeah. I was going for. And you meet him in person, they kind of talk like this when no you talk. And you like, what happened to your, oh, what's the accent that I do for my camera? <laughs> Please, we, we don't make like, you know, we're not making documentaries, you know, that yeah. are fascinating to most people. It's just me turning wrenches in my shop. <laughs> I'm not coming yeah. up with a different character, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. But are you wanting to diversify your channel now? I mean, not yeah. diverse. I mean, you want, you want to stay in the context, but like, like you said, in, interviewing these uh, engineers Man, would so be great. Really, what I want to get into is I want to start figuring out a way. Oh, that's good. Um, I want to start figuring out a way to make money off of YouTube. So I make most of my primary, all of my income off of YouTube and then a little bit off of Amazon affiliate links. Okay. And that's it. Right. So YouTube is so freaking flighty and they change. The yes. Stuff very fluctuated. Yes. And uh-huh. it, it terrifies me because at any point they can just delete my channel and yep. I have zero repercussions. I mean, I have to try to call somebody. Right. And once they do that, none of my subscribers will ever know anything happened to me. Right. They have to actively search for me to find me. And if I can't drive them to Instagram or Facebook. So I wonder what legal leverage you have when you're actually paying for that service. You know, like say, for instance, a lot of the guys that I've been seeing has that they'll pay for an actual YouTube video so they can control. Not a YouTube video, but it's a YouTube video service. It's a video server that you can pay for a subscription and always have your audience locked in mm-hmm. you control everything about it but i wonder if you have any leverage paying them as far as well actually that's what the, that's what's so great about youtube is they find the advertisers for you yeah that's the that's the hook you know they do a 60 40 split man and they their algorithm is so complex and, and greatness yeah it's just it's amazing it's an amazing technological advancement it's one of the great wonders of the world people don't really look at it that no. way uh-uh. um but i mean you have you know there's no not been another time in the planet where you as a company could say i want 26 to 29 year old men that only live in southern states and are only into country music yeah. That's that's exactly who I want to advertise, and that algorithm will find it and oh yeah, and do it. It's Pinpoint. easy. Yeah, we've been seeing some weird stuff just with the Google AdWords thing, uh, even the negative and the positive stuff, and, and pinpointing. I wonder, I wonder though, 
if the future is where you're YouTubing it and you you come up with a foundation that actually YouTube desires you more than just this this partnership in the sense that you're doing I don't know something outside of YouTube like mm-hmm. the uh, we talked about doing the whole like uh, classes or some kind of touring thing of some sort yeah uh, or or even the products that are outside of that mm-hmm. um, but what what are you wanting to do? Are you wanting to actually do some more like crazy or subjects with interviews with people or There's collaborations? A bunch of different things. So first, I want to figure out a way to drive traffic off of YouTube onto something else—a website, email yeah. list—and not even to like not, not planning on selling the email list or doing anything with it. But if I put out a new video and I've got a hundred thousand emails, and I can email those guys and explain, hey, the reason we're doing it this way is because YouTube is so crazy. If I don't do it this way, it's only a matter of time before. You know, my channel is, they've already screwed with my channel once and won't fix it. Right. And, and if I know, and, uh, I've even heard from other YouTubers how they get shut down, um, just for automated, mm-hmm. it's automatic, automatic yeah. shutdown for just for some, something that got triggered yeah. or something. Well, so I want to do that. And I want to do, um, uh, I'd like to get into interviews like. Perfect example of that BMW that I have that's got that crazy fuel tank in get it. Get an ex, uh, yeah, a retired you know, BMW if we could guy. Find yeah. The engine is one of the engineering staff that was part of that design and ask him like why yes why was this stuff put inside the fuel tank and it's not usually put inside the fuel tank in other cars why did y'all decide to do it this way yeah you know and it's like because it doesn't make any sense to me but i'm not an engineer right i'd love to be able to pick the brain and it's like oh i'm glad you asked that because we had this crazy criteria of this 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 and this and this is what we came up with and i'm like oh it's brilliant that makes perfect sense or i don't know we just thought it was a good idea to put it in a gas tank right <laughs> you know yeah, our regulations said yeah. that we need to make sure that we have a, a planned obsolescence. That we, I think they'll they'll always hide behind probably the engineering of the had to be precise or it would be endangered. So we made sure that 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 I module was there. Yeah, I bet you. You remember uh, Toby, Team Toby, Toby Speakers. Yes. So Toby, um, if you guys that don't know, they're listening to this and watching don't know who Toby is. This guy was a audio engineer, wasn't he? Yes. He was like a mad scientist. He would come up with these, uh, he built his own sub for speakers, and he just did that as a, uh, a way to kind of make money. You know, it was like bread and butter, and his passion was like high-end audio equipment. Yes. And uh, so he designed all this stuff, and he explained it to me one time. Um, shit, what were we talking about? Started thinking about Toby. Man, uh, um, he ta- you, we were talking about the engineering, engineering a... Oh, so yeah, a, a perfect example. So he was actually an engineer at Bose for a while, wasn't he? Yes. So at Bose, he said, I asked him, he was like, what's your opinion on Bose speakers? And he said, Bose has excellent, the best engineering, acoustic engineering on the planet, the worst accounting department. And he goes, because they just won't let quality speakers go. They just, Bose cannot build... Because of their company and wow. they're publicly traded, they have to do everything at maximum profit legally. So the speaker quality deteriorates. Yeah. They wow. don't use the ride cones. They don't use the, you know, and in, in, in Toby's opinion, I don't know anything about speakers or anything. Right. But, well, it's enough to make him build yeah. his own company and his own speakers. Exactly. He became famous with his subwoofers. Yep. Little little bitty speaker, big box, a little box. There's all just, these other, like the, the, the BMW deal. Yeah. For those engineers, I wonder how often that's the case. I'm like, it was just a budgeting deal because it was cheaper to make this out of plastic. It was cheaper to put it in a tank and hot glue it in there than yep. it was to build a bracket for it. And Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they have a computer program that 
that you know they twist something or they bend something and it's like oh that's that just went up two dollars exactly you know we yeah. gotta bend it back that way yeah, or like a total cost analysis or something that, yeah here's five different sets of metallics that you you know metal yeah. metal <laughs> that we can use for this product oh you just selected one that's too weak and it'll fall yeah. apart oh my gosh yeah but uh, that's crazy, man. Well, it was a, it was it was awesome, like talking to you about this podcast. And uh, how long have we been going? Oh, I think it was about an hour and a half now. That's not too bad. I, I usually like rattle on my live streams for like two or three hours sometimes. Right. I was actually wondering now that I'm starting out, um, trying to figure out what the length needs to be, um, even when there's time to talk for a while, to actually bridge it to multiple ones, like a series. Have you heard of this? So, right? from. All the podcasts I listen to, they're all generally 45 minutes to two hours, so okay. an hour and a half usually, somewhere around there. I think that's a sweet spot. Um, in my opinion, like the, the world's greatest podcaster right now is Joe Rogan. Uh-huh. You know, like oh, and that's three or four hours. You know? Yeah. yeah. And this is, so for me, I'm They like, take oh, restroom breaks sometimes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, to me, that, that's kind of the when in doubt, who's the most successful of what you want to be successful at. Yeah. That and I've been hearing some celebrities and they'll... They're doing the hardcore uh, sponsorships and stuff like yeah, that. You don't have any podcasts, uh, you know, a couple of guys in the computer chairs and sitting back talking about whatever. And or ha- have any talk about sponsors, or they'll have commercials during it. They're like, let's yep. take a break. I remember, uh, got to pay the bills. Click. Yeah, exactly. Conan O'Brien's like, let's take a break, and they were like, and, and the guy's like, what? This podcast? We don't take breaks on podcasts. <laughs> well, I just say that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I've been used to saying it for years now. <laughs> let's take a break. <laughs> it's funny. He's, he's done it so often, and he knows he's probably got that like internal clock where he knows exactly six minutes we need to take a break <laughs> yeah we've got too many jokes already punched lined now we got to take a break yeah, yeah it was great great coming in man um i would like to, to eventually get like an engineer we'll figure out somebody else to bring in like special guests and yeah podcast with somebody yeah i definitely want to uh poke somebody's brain on on what we what we've discussed i mean even if it's even if it's an engineer that um, engineered something like the chair of the of the car or, yeah. you know, a tire or something like just that. Just anything. You know, if we get that li- liaison into other engineers or something. and Yeah. Just different people like that. I mean, there's plenty of YouTubers we can go through also that have pretty amazing stories. There's a dude in freaking California that's got awesome stories named Stan, if we can ever get him to. Stan? Yeah, Stan um, builds stuff for Universal Studios. Oh. Huh. Constantly, like he lives within a couple of miles of a studio, and they use his company to build their paint booths, build sets, do repair sets. Wow. So he knows a bunch of like famous actors, actresses. He's in that, and like, and he builds all these crazy stuff for movies and stuff that he's not even he can't show us and talk about. Right. You know, occasionally they'll have something that he can, but right. You talking about that engineering stuff and like crazy, like that guy's mad scientist when it comes to that kind of knowledge so well we got to do we got to do it where it's probably something where um i wouldn't be surprised if we could probably find uh these old retired engineers similar to the way they do the cia guys are like well he's, he's getting close to death he'll real they'll give us all the secrets <laughs> and then we'll get some like yeah in the 1950s i yeah. made this car and that's yeah. when those those guys came in and we came in with these plastics and hemp and all this yeah. stuff um, yes. that would be very interesting to hear i'm sure you know like rachel and i know we're trying to wrap this up and uh Rachel was talking to me today about it, and I was saying, uh, yeah, eventually we'd like to get, like, and I gave that example, the engineers or any engineer that was on the team to develop the gas tank for the BMW. It's like, I'd love to sit down and pick that guy's brain and, like, have an interview and, and talk about it. And she goes, yeah, but isn't it going to be boring? And I go, it's probably going to be boring for most people. Yeah. But there is a certain genre that is interested in that. I'm interested in that. I mean, mm-hmm. Logan's interested in that, and a lot of my viewers would really like it. They'd like to understand why... 
why did y'all do it this way? Because mine's just speculation. So far, it's just some engineer did this to piss me off. Exactly. <laughs> That's the only reason they put that bolt there <laughs> is to my whole day (laughs) (laughs) exactly uh well that's good well i'm shutting her down thanks very much for taking your time no problem man awesome we'll see you later